This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. At this season of the year, it seems everyone is in a Christmas gift-giving mode as we search for the perfect gift to give our loved ones and friends. In today's message, we're going to talk about what to give the one who has it all. Please join us. What are you planning to give Jesus this Christmas? After all, it is his birthday. Stay with us as we look at his wish list today. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty and gracious God, the giver of all good gifts, we thank you for your holy word which directs, guides, enlightens, and feeds us. Now as we study it together, By the power of your Spirit, let us see the truth that you want to build our lives upon. In the name of Jesus, the Word made flesh, we ask this. Amen. Our reading for today is from Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he'll separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you in a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. Stranger, and you didn't welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked or sick or in prison, and didn't minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, As you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Dear friends, a question we oftentimes ask our loved ones this time of the year is, what do you want for Christmas? We typically will also spend a lot of time and energy to find that perfect gift that will delight them. I sometimes wonder, though, If we get so focused on gift-giving with each other that we need to be reminded whose birthday it really is every now and then. Christmas is not our birthday. It's His. 
Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Have you ever stopped and asked the question, I wonder what Jesus, the birthday boy, would like for his birthday? And what do you give the one who has it all? Well, that's a question we are going to ponder for the next couple of weeks together. And our text for today holds a profound answer to that question. Jesus and the disciples are now in Jerusalem. The cross looms ahead. It's close. He's about to go to that cross to fulfill God's salvation plan of paying for your sins and mine. And in this particular setting, in today's text, we have Jesus teaching his disciples that someday he's coming again, and they must be ready for that. Those words that he spoke were first of all meant to give assurance and hope to them and to us as well. During the Advent season, the church remembers that the one, Jesus, who arrived as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem, is coming again in power and majesty. The first time he arrived, he gave us his all, didn't he? He humbled himself and became one of us. He emptied himself out on our behalf and went all the way, even to death on a cross, to pay the debt that we could not pay for ourselves, our sinfulness. Of course, You know, the story doesn't end there, does it? He was raised from the dead, ascended to full power and authority over this world. The Lord has put all things under his feet. The second time he arrives, he's going to not come humbly, but he'll come in power and claim it all once and for all, having the last word. Someday everyone will bow before him and say, Jesus is Lord. That's basically what we're hearing in our passage for today as Jesus begins this little, we might call it a parable of sorts, as he describes a king who comes in glory with his angels and sits on his glorious throne with all the nations, meaning all the peoples of the world gathered before him. What a vision that is. What a glorious day that is going to be. And that is our good news for those of us who trust Christ that we need to focus on, even when the world looks like it's falling apart and uh, headed towards a bad ending. We know how the story ends. The king comes, sitting on his glorious throne. But notice the parable goes on to instruct the followers of Jesus as to what he wants us as his followers to be doing while we wait for his return. Jesus tells us that when the king arrives, he will separate people one from another, just as a shepherd divides the sheep and the goats at the end of the day. The sheep will be placed at his right hand. That's the place of blessing and honor. And he'll tell them, Come you that are blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. What a list. Very impressive list. And he goes on with the story, and they'll say to him, Lord, when did we see you this way? And the king will respond, I tell you, as you did it to the least of these my brethren, 
you did it to me. He came disguised in those that were weak and vulnerable. And Jesus seems here to be identifying himself with the weak and the poor and the forgotten and the vulnerable of society. And he calls them his brethren. I suppose it does make some sense because after all, when you think about it, Jesus was born without a home to poor, ordinary folks. His family was refugees fleeing from a baby-killing tyrant as they headed to Egypt. As an adult, he said he had no place to lay his head, and he was rejected by people and abandoned by his followers and beaten terribly by soldiers and executed for crimes he didn't commit and buried in a borrowed tomb like a poor, poverty-stricken person. Jesus knows what it means to be needy and vulnerable. So it's no wonder he would refer to these people as his brethren. And he says to them an amazing thing. And the people who reached out to them, the king applauds for what they have done. Now, some reading this passage have wondered aloud about it, uh, saying, I thought we were saved by faith in Jesus Christ, is Jesus talking out of both sides of his mouth here. It sounds like he's saying we're saved by our good works in this story. Uh, No, relax, that's not what Jesus is teaching here. I want you to notice a couple of these phrases that Jesus includes in his story. They're not throwaways, they're important for us. As he invites the sheep, he refers to them as the blessed of my father, doesn't he? That's an important phrase, because these are the people who are in a right relationship with God already. They are people of the Beatitudes, those who are discovered, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. These are the ones that Jesus is called, you're the light of the world. These are kingdom people. They're believers in Christ. And notice he says, come and receive an inheritance that's been prepared for you. You see, an inheritance is not the same as a reward. It's not something that you earn. It's a gift because you're attached to the right individual, Jesus. And he also refers to them as the righteous ones. They're in a right relationship with God through following Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples in this parable. These compassion-filled activities that are being described in this story, then, are evidence of one who has salvation. Martin Luther, who made himself the champion of faith alone, by the way, wrote this statement. Faith is a living, busy, active, powerful thing. It's impossible for it not to do us good continually. It never asks whether good works are to be done, but has done them before there's time to even ask the question. And it is always doing them. Faith shown in acts of love. This is what I want my followers to be doing, Jesus seems to be saying here, showing mercy and compassion to others. So we go back to our original question. What does Jesus want this Christmas? What do you give the one who has it all? 
Consider this passage in answer to that. This is on our Lord's wish list for Christmas, for every day, for that matter. While we wait for him to come again, he wants us to show compassion for the weak and the vulnerable. And not just feel compassion for them, feeling pity for them, but actually doing something, acting upon that compassion. And I find this parable, I don't know about you, uh, rather challenging. Now that I know these things, what am I supposed to do with them? What am I supposed to do with this knowledge that Jesus has just given me? I want to ask you a personal question. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and you trust him, and you love him as your Savior and Lord, knowing these things, what gift are you planning on giving him in the next year? Someone might respond, well, I'm going to make a commitment to keep an eye open for Jesus in hurting people this year and serve them. And that's wonderful. That's great. I hope you do. But I also know that good intentions sometimes get forgotten and undone. I know they do in my life. We get busy and distracted, and I think sometimes we miss seeing Jesus. So here's my idea for you and for me. How about taking a concrete next step on that gift right now? I mean, take the initiative on what you know that he would like for Christmas. For instance, how about deciding to take on and sponsor a compassion child this year? You give a monthly gift for a child in some other place that's in need, and that will feed them and clothe them and give them an education and teach them about Jesus. And as you correspond with your child through letters and encourage them, it makes a big difference in their lives. Julie and I have a couple of these kids ourselves, and we've discovered it's not only a joy, but it's not much of a sacrifice at all, and it really does help them. How about before Christmas comes, uh, I, I challenge you to do some shopping this year in the Lord's Christmas catalogs. Remember how when we were kids, we'd look through the catalogs for Christmas? I would invite you to get in the Lord's Christmas catalogs. What I mean by that is there are organizations like Samaritan's Purse and World Vision and Lutheran World Relief who have catalogs where you can pick a gift for a needy person. You can go right to their websites and they'll give you all kinds of ideas of how to be a servant to someone to show compassion. Recently, I came across one from a group called Voice of the Martyrs, which I really think is a good thing. They offer you the opportunity to write letters to persecuted Christians in other parts of the world and to be an encouragement to them as they suffer for the faith. Now, if you're someone who doesn't have a a computer, I encourage you then to go ask your pastor for some of that information. I've got a pile of it sitting on my desk, some of these catalogs. And I know all pastors get these kinds of mailings. They can help you. Or if you want to be more local, how about getting personally involved with a food shelf ministry or signing up to work at a clothing center 
or a Salvation Army or a gospel mission in the inner city to serve in one of their kitchens, perhaps. I would encourage you to call one of these organizations and ask them how you can do some hands-on helping for them. They'll be glad to hear from you. How about giving your clothes away to a Christian organization who can distribute them to people who really need them? I mean, you could give some clothing to help refugees. You'd be amazed at how many people I know in my area that are coming over without coats and so on this time of year. And it's cold in Minnesota. Or I have a group of women in our church. They make quilts for Lutheran World Relief. And oh, what a difference it makes. If you drive, how about delivering a meal to the homebound? We have a program called Meals on Wheels. And by the way, don't forget, material needs are not the only form of poverty. There are There's emotional poverty as well. People who are feeling forgotten and uncared for. I remember reading uh, something by Mother Teresa talking about coming to visit the affluent West and visiting a beautifully decorated nursing home and finding all the residents sitting in wheelchairs facing the door. Why are all these people looking toward the door, she asked. Why aren't they smiling? I'm used to seeing smiling faces on all our people, even the dying ones. The nurse replied, it's like this every day. They're always hoping someone will come and visit them, and their loneliness is eating them up. And Mother Teresa asks, who's staring at the door, waiting for someone like you to come? How about a loaf of fresh bread or cinnamon rolls for an elderly neighbor spending his or her first Christmas alone having a blue Christmas with a note saying, just thinking about you this year, this season? Or going to a nursing home, adopting a grandparent, becoming a regular visitor. Also keep in mind there's also spiritual poverty around us. You and I are surrounded by people who are functionally strangers to God. They don't think God cares for them. And, well, Jesus is counting on you and me to take steps to tell them about him. By the way, I love it when my wife or kids will tell me what they'd like for Christmas. Because I, in all likelihood, I'm going to get it. I appreciate it. I really appreciate what Jesus has done for us here. He's given us a big favor with this passage, hasn't he? He's given us a wish list. And he says, any one of these things will bring a smile to my face. So I invite you to take action with me on one of these gifts for Jesus. Or come up with something on your own that will lift up and help someone who's needing help. And Merry Christmas to you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it's good to be reminded of the big picture that Jesus is coming again. And we thank you for opening our eyes to see what we can give Jesus for Christmas this year and the years ahead. So by the power of your Spirit, move us to act on this knowledge for the sake of Christ. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over and within you to give you his peace. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message will help you realize the perfect gift to give to the Christ child, the one whose birthday we celebrate at Christmas. 
the gift of giving yourself out of love for Christ in the area of your faith. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported by the financial gifts of our listeners. We are especially grateful for our Gift Every Month Gem Club members. These regular gifts sustain our ministry during quiet giving times. Your support allows us to deliver biblical truths to those who cannot attend church. If you're interested in supporting Christian Crusaders in this way, contact our office at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. Today's service is also available to be read or heard on our colorful, redesigned website. You can also find hundreds of other messages on the site. Visit our website today at christiancrusaders.org. That's Christian Crusaders, all one word, dot O-R-G. CDs and printed copies of today's message can be obtained free of charge by calling or writing our office. However, a gift to help cover production and mailing cost is always appreciated. Contact us today at Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We are happy you were able to worship with us this day, and we pray you can join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Reverend Steve Kramer. Senior Pastor at Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 82nd year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting. <laughs>